Welcome to the A Jesus Church podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. Well, here we are, well into September. Can you believe that? Um, anybody have their first pumpkin spice anything yet? Yeah, I, I too have partaken. I love this time of year, honestly, uh, partially because I love it when the chill starts to return back to the air. Uh, and that's also because I enjoy a good sweater every once in a while. Uh, but also partially because I feel like the fall represents a season of like resetting and restarting. Yeah, it does. Because all the kids head back to school, normal rhythms start up again. Um, we're all trying to normalize our food and our sleep, which yeah, is kind of going okay, me. but that's kind of what the fall Less is. Less successful in that yeah. part, but anyways. And, may, and maybe it's because of raising four kids, mm-hmm. um, but honestly, September feels more like January to me than January does. Anybody else out there have that experience? September just has that like new beginnings time. And, and this is the reason why we, as a church, Every fall, take September to do a vision series, to both remind us of who we are as a church and to call us to be those people that God has called us to be. It's like a church-wide moment for us to be reminded of our vision and of our mission uh, and to press the restart button on some of those commitments that maybe have fallen by the wayside. Yeah. For AGC, it's a time of new beginning as well. So we're going to take the next couple of weeks to dive into the scriptures, recenter on our vision, while at the same time creating spaces for all of us to connect and participate as a family should. So we're going to study the scriptures. Yep. So if you need a Bible, you will need a Bible, you but you can Bible. put your hand up and someone will come around to give you a Bible if you don't have one. Yeah, that's right. Just go ahead and one of our ushers around the room would love to get you a Bible. If you don't have one, you are welcome to keep this one. Uh, when you get there, if you could flip open to Hebrews 10. Hebrews is kind of like closer to the end of the book. And uh, we're, Brittany's going to be reading from Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. And when you get there, when you've got your Bibles out, go ahead and stand up to your feet for the reading of the word. Okay, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray, Jesus. The day is approaching where one day we will see you face to face and what a day that will be. But Lord, you called us to persevere. You called us to walk with you and you gave us your spirit to walk with us. You gave us community to walk this life out. So Lord, I pray that you would help us grow this year in next steps of what it looks like to follow even more wholeheartedly after you. 
So Jesus, we ask that you would come and be present and you would speak loudly and boldly to us today, Lord. And so we love you and we thank you that you have given us yourself, that we are washed clean because by your blood. Amen. 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 Thanks, Steph. You can grab a seat. This uh, past Wednesday night, we were meeting as an elder team uh, and, and we had the privilege of having Quinn and Brittany Neely join us. Uh, the Neelys lead a ministry in Gulu, Uganda. Uh, it's called Elefante Commons. And it's this beautiful little work that actually helps em- empower local businesses and nonprofit initiatives to help with community restoration. They, estab- or they estimate that they've impacted upwards of like 150,000 people, literally helping local young leaders build the economy in Uganda, literally on a string, shoestring budget. And they've done this incredible work just through their faithfulness and their staying and being present and loving people well. It's an amazing work, supported and launched from this church over a decade ago. Um, and Quinn shared in the midst of that though, like how he was, he was re- recounting his time here at the church and how when he showed up for his very first pre-premarital time, okay, pre-premarital, uh, he sat down with the pastor, one of our pastors at the church here, and it was like, he was also at the time that the, the pastor was the pastor of our Hear the Cry ministry. And he sat down and, and he got into the conversation and he, he led with, what do you think about moving to Uganda? Not how Quinn was anticipating opening up his premarital time. Quinn said his mouth like hit the floor. But you know what's crazy is that moment, that, that moment of decision where, where Quinn's decided to step into it has led to like years of faithful ministry, incredible work being done on the other side of the world. And him and Brittany are happily married and working in Gulu and actually expecting their first child. It's amazing. But what struck me the most on Wednesday night was the look of love in their eyes. This passion for the work of Jesus their love for the people of Gulu, it was palpable. I kept thinking how much easier their life would have been had they just taken all those incredible gifts and started some amazing ministry here or or, or some business here in Portland. But through the challenges, through the unknowns, God's love compelled them to go to Uganda, compelled them to do the work in Gulu. They've committed themselves to him and to his mission. That night as I was listening to Quinn talk, it, it kind of reminded me of another story. Brittany and I used to work for this a missions organization that had partners all over the world. And almost like 20 years ago now, we had the opportunity to go visit one of those partners in South Africa. Uh, they worked in one of the la- largest townships just outside of Pretoria, and they were led, their, their team leader was this young guy uh, named Luke Kabongo. I, I will never forget Luke, Luke Kabongo from the Congo. He literally told me, this is how you will remember my name, Luke Kabongo from the Congo. Uh, he was this like young, about to get married, tall, dark, dark skin with this great smile and this deep, like French Congolese accent. God had called Luke out of these crazy circumstances from Congo to go work amongst the poorest of the poor in this South African township, which was doubly complicated for him because obviously with the echoes of apartheid still everywhere, 
He was rejected by the whites. And, and because he wasn't from South Africa, he was often also rejected by the blacks. He led a life that was extremely difficult, filled with vandalism and violence against him. And this was all a part of his normal life. There were so many reasons for Luke to work somewhere else. I remember asking him as he was stepping into young married life, just starting his family, why he had chosen such a difficult place to work. I'll never forget his answer. He said to me, Tim, this deep voice, I have to. I have to. The love of Jesus, the love for Jesus, it compels me. Luke had committed himself to following Jesus any time, any place, any cost. He would follow. He was all in even if that meant being in the hardest of places, doing the most difficult of work with his young family. He's an incredible young man. What's, what is it about this incredible God that we follow that has the power to pull ordinary, normal people into the most difficult of circumstances, committed, all in, filled with love, joy, and purpose amidst all sorts of pain and suffering and tears? What is it? And why, why does it seem so difficult to live with that same conviction, that same commitment here in Tigard? in Beaverton, Cedar Mill, Sherwood. What is it that Luke and the Neelys and so many others, some, many of you here and even in this room that you found that have strengthened their resolve to face those kind of deep challenges when sometimes, let's be honest, it can just be hard to get up to, and get to church on a Sunday. What is it? Well, I think for some, it's, 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 we've gotten really busy, Right? I mean, it's kind of a, we live in this crazy, hectic world and it's really, really busy. I think for others and for a part of the Western church, for sure, we've gotten kind of sleepy. We've kind of dozed off to what some have called the satanic lullaby that is literally putting us to sleep spiritually. I think of Christian, the character in John Bunyan's classic, Pilgrim's Progress. Anybody a Pilgrim's Progress fan out there? It's an oldie, but it's a beautiful work. And, I, and that's that moment where, where Christian and the main character is fighting to like walk through the enchanted ground, but it's like trying to draw him, trying to make him doze off and go to sleep. And it all is representing this, this wrestling against comfort and complacency and the routines of life. And that book was written in the 1600s. How much more do we need to hear this message and this reminder today? We would be wise to heed Paul's words to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5 verse 4 where he, he calls the church and he says, wake up, sleepyheads. That's kind of my loose translation, but it's there in the Greek if you look for it. Wake up, sleepyheads, rise from the dead so Christ's light will shine on you. We, we wrestle with sleepiness in our culture. The church wrestles with sleepiness. But I think the other reason that we, that we 
need or we find ourselves kind of slipping from that conviction and that strong commitment is that we've also just forgotten how amazing Jesus is. Which is part of the reason why we did a series this summer on worship. And if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to check it out. Jesus, my friends, is worthy of our fully awake lives. He's worthy of our Sunday mornings and he's worthy of our Saturday nights and he's worthy of every single breath that we breathed in between because he gave it to us after all. Maybe it's time for us, especially as Portlanders, to replace some of our caffeine with Christ, to shake off some of our stupor to take those defibrillator paddles and put them on our chest. You know, it's kind of funny. Well, not funny. It's kind of strange. We actually had a medical emergency this morning. And as I walked out the door, there were police officers running at me with those defibrillators. I was like, not for me, not for me. I'm okay, I'm okay. But maybe we as a church, maybe it's time in the West that we had one of those moments where we let those things hit our hearts and jumpstart us to live courageously with this any time, any place, any cost kind of commitment. I think, I think that's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. I think that's what he's trying to do in his book, and especially as we get to chapter 10. So let's take a look there. We're looking at Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, I'm gonna pause right there for a minute because in the middle of this giant run-on sentence. But the author of Hebrews has spent most of his letter, most of this book, building a case for why Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. And he is the best high priest that has ever existed. Jesus was the better sacrifice and he built a better covenant. And he is worthy of our worship. The book of Hebrews declares boldly why it is that Jesus should have all of our allegiance and love above all things. So in chapter 10, verse 19, the author drops this huge therefore Therefore, because Jesus is so much better than all of those things, and because his sacrifice and covenant are perfect, we can have confidence to enter into the most holy place, the place where God is present. This summer, we talked about David and the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, and how the Ark rested in this space called the Holy of Holies. It's like God's throne room here on earth, and it's pointing up to this heavenly throne room. And a priest could only go into this holy space once a year to, to, to sprinkle the blood and, and to make offerings of incense. It was holy, 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 because God is worthy, worthy, worthy. But Hebrews tells us that Jesus has opened up a way through his life and his death, and his resurrection, and now he acts as our high priest, talking, literally talking with his father on our behalf, praying for us, interceding for us. It's like the ark of God has now come to rest inside of our own hearts, granting us access, direct 
access to God all of the time. And what's the fruit of that presence in our lives? Well, notice the word confidence. It kind of sticks out, doesn't it? It, it, it isn't just that what has happened in the past is amazing. It's that because of what's happened in the past, we can now move forward with confidence, with expectation. We don't have to wait to get everything sorted out with God. You know, we don't have to make sure we've done enough good things or, or, or that we've been a Christian long enough. No, we can walk right into the throne room, into that holy place and, and meet with our great high priest, Jesus. But how is this confidence even possible? Aren't we just broken humans? Isn't, isn't there some sort of penance or payment that we, that we need to pay for our sin? Well, the author of Hebrews goes on. Verse 22 says this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us with, from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure Water. How is this confidence possible? Well, Jesus has been the sacrifice. Jesus has been the payment. He was the penance. His blood has made us clean and made us able to approach God. And that cleansing is total, inside and out. And the result, the result is what I like to call a three lettuce salad. Okay, I know it's cheesy, but bear in mind, I'm a dad. So I do dad jokes every once in a while. So three lettuce salad. We're gonna look at three lettuces in the picture, okay? The first, lettuce. Let us draw near to God. I see all y'all are just starting to get that joke. I get it, I get it. Let us draw near to God. Attentiveness to God's presence is central. It's central for this all-in heart. It's central to be a part of this family. Jesus has made a way for us to be in his presence every moment. Why wouldn't we take him up on that? Why wouldn't we take him up on that? If, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that presence is core to our DNA. At AJC, we believe that the, the best that we have to offer as a family is actually God himself. That's the best that we've got. Yes, we gather for, for, to learn from the scriptures and to understand Jesus and his way. And, and, and for sure, we come together to worship and, and raise our voices and hands to this amazing God. And we participate in bread and cup together. As a family, we laugh and we cry and, and we listen and encourage one another. But all of that, which is amazing, all of that is secondary to actually being with God to experience his presence, to interact with his heart, to learn to recognize his voice. That's why we're here. And how we come matters. It does matter. We must come, according to Hebrews, with a sincere heart. That is, as we really are, not some facade, religious thing that we're trying to do, but with this honest devotion, this is who I really am, God. I'm coming to you with my open hands. And we must come 
with full assurance, believing in faith that, that Jesus is there, that God is present, that he's just right there as close as our breath. And we must come with hearts and conscience clean, confessing our brokenness and sin to one another and to, and to the one who actually has the power to make us pure, to clean us with that pure water. You see, we believe that Jesus is the answer to all our questions. That he is the answer to all of humanity's questions. We believe that the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit actually has the power to heal, to step free, to rewrite broken stories. We believe that he is as close as the air we breathe, even closer. And when he tells his disciples that he will be with them always, he means it. And so he's with us. It means that Jesus can heal your marriage. It means that Jesus can meet you in your loneliness. It means that Jesus can free you from addiction. And it means that Jesus can heal our city. He can renew our city. He can bring restoration. He can bring transformation. It means that the way things are doesn't have to be. Jesus is the answer to all the questions that everybody is asking. He's just better. He's just better. But Hebrews goes on with the second lettuce leaf, or lettuce. Here we go. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. What a beautiful verse. Let us hold unswervingly. That word unswervingly is kind of an interesting one. It's, it's connected to this idea of an object that's standing perfectly straight. No bends, no folds, no wobbles, no leaning. It's just perfectly straight. And it seems to suggest that we are to hold on to Jesus with everything that we've got unwaveringly. To never let go, no matter the trial, no matter the persecution, and no matter the distraction. We're to hold on a life of radical commitment, which begs the question, how? How do we do this? Knowing our tendency towards comfort, our tendencies towards fear and, and entertainment even, is this kind of commitment to the way of Jesus even possible? Well, left to our own, our own strength, probably not. But the answer to our struggle with faithfulness is the one who is faithful. Did you catch that in the text? That's the answer. The answer to the struggle with faithfulness is the one who is faithful. This isn't some passive agree, uh, you know, a ploy to get our loyalty. Jesus is just simply reminding us of the reality of the cloth that we have been cut from. He is faithful. So I can be faithful. Jesus is the kind of high priest who will always be there. So I can be the kind of follower of Jesus that is always going to be there. I can hold on 
because he holds on. I can stand firm. His way, his life, empowered by his spirit. Because we believe, friends, that this, this world, all that we see, this isn't as good as it gets. We believe in hope that his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. We believe that his Holy Spirit is a forerunner of the kingdom of Jesus going out ahead. And we believe that someday soon, we hope, Jesus, someday soon, that he will come back again in his fullness and reign. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord and we will all, we will all come before the throne. We will all sing praises. Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. We wait for that day. And in the meantime, we live lives of hope, focused on the Jesus that is with us, on the spirit that empowers us. We believe that Jesus will come again. As we move on to the third and final lettuce, I want, to, I want to note something, that this hope that we see, it's a hope that we profess. Far from our personal isolated relationship with God, this is a hope that should leak. I remember a time when our kids were quite a bit younger. We were out, out for a hike. I use that, you know, when they're this tall, a hike is like out for a walk in the park. Uh, but we were out for a hike as a family and we, we were living in Scotland and we caught a train from Glasgow up to Balloch and we were hiking and so Balloch is this little community that sits at the south tip of Loch Lomond uh, and it's just this beautiful little area. And we were out for a hike as a family and I, I remember just clearly, visibly, this giant uh, bag of trail mix that our kids were carrying around. And for some reason, I don't know if just, I had used a loo or something like that, I got separated from the whole group. So I came back and I got on the path and I realized like I, there was multiple ways to go and I didn't know which road to take, but, and I don't remember if it was Duncan or if it was Kelton, one of the two of them didn't like raisins that much. Okay, you're all knowing in this guy. So likely digging through the bag and eating all the chocolate, uh, they were discarding the raisins as they walked. You guessed it, Hansel and, Hansel and Gretel style, I followed the raisins to find my family. There they were after a little while, just a little one little brown nugget at a time as I'm following it along to find my family. Our hope should leak. Even as we hold on to Jesus with all that we've got, there should be this trail of hope that follows behind us. Like those little discarded raisins that people can see, that people can connect with, that people can find their hope in. This is how people will find him as they follow us. And why? In the words of Peter, they will ask us about that hope. 1 Peter 3.15. And all of this pairs really well with this final lettuce in the lettuce salad. Verse 24. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see that day approaching. Notice that our commitment 
isn't just to Jesus. No, our commitment is also to his family. It's to each other. Not, and this is not some metaphorical or philosophical thing. This is a real commitment, a commitment to creatively finding ways to spur each other on, to do the kinds of things that Jesus wants us to do, to be the kind of people that Jesus wants us to be. Our call is to be a family committed to each other. The things that help us care for each other come through our hands, through the spirit of Jesus. You see, we're not only cleansed and made pure through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's an amazing gift, but there's more. We also become priests through the process. We get to take up our own mantle as we fall in the way and follow in the way of Jesus. We too become a kingdom of priests. We are partners in this creation story, set apart by Jesus, empowered by his Holy Spirit to go and live lives of radical love and goodness in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, anywhere that Jesus has got us, we go as priests. The church was not created to be an inward-looking family, no, it was set apart to be a family of blessing. The difficulty is, we in the West, we, we wrestle as a culture with this commitment to individualism. It, it's even in the church, it's leaked into even our own community, my needs, my way, my personal relationship with Jesus. And this is often the primary feeder for our sleepiness. And I know, I get it. I know how easy it is to get stuck inside my own head. This cul-de-sac of like comfort or fear or entertainment or anxiety. Our culture's inward focus is so opposite to this call in Hebrews. So opposite to the anytime, any place, any cost kind of life. But I want us to catch, I want us to notice where the author of Hebrews lands us. He lands us in this place, this call to not stop meeting together. The author knows, like, we can't do this by ourselves. It's just not possible. This kind of commitment empowered by the Holy Spirit needs a family. It needs a group of people together to run alongside of us. We need a family to keep us committed to the way of Jesus and his mission because we believe that Jesus has healed us to make us healers. We believe that he has united us so that we can go and bring unity to a fractured world. Do you catch that? Our healing it doesn't stop inside the walls. Our healing is a gift to the nations. Our unity, it's not just about us. Our unity is a gift to the nations. We bring the gifts that we have. And we believe that Jesus has called us to gather together as a family, not so that we would hide from the world, but that we would be salt and light 
in a world that is desperate for King Jesus, even though they don't know it. Because we believe he's the answer to all the questions. And we believe that he is just better. The vision of AJC is to join Jesus in the renewal of all things by becoming a unified, spirit-filled family that follows the way of Jesus. We believe that we do not exist just for this block, for this square block. We exist for this city to bring renewal, the power of the Holy Spirit into our community, to bring resurrection power into our neighborhoods, to bring renewal to our people around us, our friends, our family. We believe that that happens as we come as a unified family together, arm in arm, spirit-filled, empowered to do his work. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And that is who we are. That's what we exist for. That is our church. A King Jesus family, living as brothers and sisters, attentive to God's presence, committed to formation and partnering in creation. Now, this can look like a lot of different things. I'll be honest. Like, it can look like praying together and when we take communion. It can look like giving financially to this work. It can, it can even look like ladies line dancing. Okay? I'm just saying it can. That was for you, babe. It can look like showing up at youth. It can look like helping out in the kids. There are so many different ways that family gets materialized. And we are going to be taking the next couple of weeks to talk about what it looks like to do community here at AJC. But As we wrap up here today, there are two next steps or commitments that I'd like to invite you to consider, especially if you call this place your home. First, a call to gather, a call to participation in the weekly rhythm of Sunday worship. Now, I know that there was a time in church history where we needed to keep reminding each other about the fact that the church was more than just Sunday. Still believe that. But I think COVID may have rewritten some of our history a little bit. Participation in worship on Sundays is at like an all-time low across the nation. The majority of people that do go to church only go so infrequently. And I get it. The old rhythms, they're, they're, they're hard to get back to. And there's some things that we needed to unlearn for sure. But I think that this is a moment in the life of the church, in the life of our church, where we can open up our hands and experience the call to gather, to come back together, to be a family, to be here for each other. I think the author of Hebrews would challenge us to get back in the game. He, the author would, he, he would tell us to throw off all these things that are holding on to us and to wake up and to, and to experience that Christ caffeination. I think the author of Hebrews would call us to draw near in confidence, to hold fast to Jesus, to step into our calling of priests and leak hope everywhere and to to be an all-in people and love with any time, any place, any cost kind of heart. But all of that will happen as we as a family commit ourselves 
to be his people as we commit ourselves to meeting together. And that's why we do this. That's why we use this space to reconnect. Because, you know, I get it. Like, the week is hard, and there's all sorts of things. And yeah, we're, we're feeding ourselves, and we're listening to worship ourselves, but there's something unique that the Spirit of God does when his people come together. There's some form of waking up. There's, some, there's something that happens in our soul that stirs us, directs us back at Jesus together. And so we need each other. We need this time. We need Sunday morning. And, and I get it. There was so much awesome vacationing that needed to happen this summer. So sweet. But now is the season for us to recommit, to become this family together. The second is a call to serve. A call to participate in a King Jesus family. It's like every other family, right? Everybody that's a part of the family does stuff. And honestly, there is no better way to get connected around here than jumping in to serving. And part of the reason why we've got all of those great uh, tents out there and is because we want you guys to connect. I want you guys to be able to find those relationships that you're hungry for. I want you guys to find that purpose and the calling that Jesus has for you. And I think one of the ways that that happens is as we jump into serving alongside of each other. Plus, we put the donuts out there. So you gotta, to get to the donuts, you gotta walk in front of all those people, okay? Honestly, you guys, this is what it means to be a family. We all pitch in, right? This is, this is how we do life together. Now, to be abundantly clear, I wanna say this as clearly as I can. We want you here. We wanna see your faces. We wanna run shoulder to shoulder. We want to love Jesus together here as a family at AJC. So I want to invite you to come and join us. Come be a part of our family. About two and a half, three years ago, Brittany got this like vision that she felt like was strongly from the Lord. And it was just this picture of like horses at the gate, you know, on, on a race, on a track, just at the gate, beating against the gate. And it was like an image of us, of our church, that so we were ready. We were at a moment when the doors would be open and, and we could really just go for it. And then COVID. It's like, what was that all about? It was like the courses all got like led out of the stalls and back into the, back into the barn. We feel like now is the time. We're back at the gate. And this fall is a moment where those doors are going to kick open. And friends, I want to invite you to come run with us. I'm going to run. And I'm really hoping there's more people running behind me as I go. I'm going to go for it. And I know I've got so many amazing people. You're going to be running there too. Come join us. We want to see something happen this year. So church, let's do that together. Let's make a commitment together that when the gate kicks open, that we are all in running hard all in. Because Jesus is better. He's just better. He's better than anything this world has to offer. So let's, let's get out there and give him away.
Would you stand with me, please? Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your goodness. And we declare as one family that you are holy, 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 that you are worthy, worthy, worthy. You are the lamb that was slain that we might come into the throne room. You are worthy of our worship and you are head of this family. We're your family. And so Jesus, we just say yes to you. Help us, empower us, make us into the people that you want us to be for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of our city. Any time, any place, any cost, Jesus, we will follow you. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at ajesuschurch.org.